Hey, what's up? It's WWE superstar Dolph Ziggler here, and you're listening to the Spanish Announce Table on the Trending Topics Network. The Spanish Announce Table. Well, all right, Tom. It is episode 291 of the Spanish Announce Table. Uh, do you feel 291 episodes old? Yeah. I mean, honestly, if we didn't kind of take some sidetracks because of uh, complacency, obviously that number would be higher because uh, we did some Tim and Tom, which was very fun. But, um, you know, we got back to what we love the most, and that's pro wrestling. Uh, came back. Oh, yeah. Well, there's three. If you count all the Tweet the Tables, I think if you like look at our feed, there's 360-some episodes. There's been 291 episodes of the Spanish Announce Table, and then that's just what's on the Spanish Announce Table or Tweet the Table. Then all the Tim and Toms, like, yeah, we've probably done 400, close to 500 podcast episodes, you and I. That'll be interesting. I'll have to go back and see if we can plug out and figure out what number that is. But And then we've even taken breaks. I mean, we took months off mm-hmm. of doing nothing. Yeah. Uh, which isn't a thing to brag about, obviously, but uh, is how long uh, of a length of time that we've been kind of in this game or around, you know what I mean? Or, you know, pause well, slightly here and there. But yeah, yeah to give you uh, the listener perspective of how long Tim and I have been talking about pro wrestling, we saw the inception of the authority. If you remember that, yeah. the authority. That's how long we've been talking about pro wrestling in, in the microphones. The authority started and ended oh, during this if time. This, if this tells you how long we've been doing this show, uh, early on in the shows, I was begging for them to make Brad the Mad Ox. Brad Mad Ox. <laughs> the Mad Ox. The mad- there's your voice. <laughs> yeah, there's your sound sound, uh, yes. sound bite. Uh, yeah. Hey, man, what you been up to? What's new? Just plugging away, man, trying to you know work and then you know stay home. Uh, as best I can. Uh, COVID is on the rise in the United States, uh, as most of us all know, and less than most of us, uh, than that most of us acknowledge publicly for some reason, but um, a lot of things are shutting back down uh, where the, where you kind of envy, at least Tom and I envy some of our international listeners, but hey, we are where we are. Um, you know, other than that, um, you know, just sitting back and enjoying the news of the contract extensions of Patrick Mahomes and Chris Jones, but that's a football subject. You know, the, you know, the chiefs won the super bowl. I don't know if you remember, I don't know if we've ever said that on the show before or anything, but, um, you know, that was, you know, that's about it. That's all I've been up to. I like it. Hey, you know what? While we're reminiscing, uh, just to take a step back. Uh, I, I just got a notification on our Twitter account seven years ago today, July 16th, we started our, at table show Twitter account seven years ago. So that means we're probably at a like, this might be a reunion episode. Then I bet like that means we probably started a show later that week or something or in the next week. Yeah. Well, um, if you remember our big first, uh, picks, which we're going to be doing picks of, uh, extreme rules, the horror show, or however they're phrasing that uh, a little bit later in the podcast. But, uh, Tim, if you remember, and longtime listeners remember, our first big picks show was the SummerSlam with John Cena versus Daniel Bryan, Triple H as the guest referee. Yeah, July 24th, 2013. So next week, huh? We'll be uh, 
will be like one day before our seven year anniversary. Of this. Oh, let's do something fun. We'll plan something fun offline. Yeah. Uh, getting the seven year itch. Yeah, you know, I definitely am. And listeners, if you've got an idea, special, uh, special, uh, specific hashtag tweet the table, throw some ideas our way. If you got something that you want to hear, uh, got something. Uh, that you want us to talk about, hashtag tweet the table for our seven-year anniversary show that we'll spend some time talking about next week. But that was that was uh, episode one. You will never, ever be the same again. Yes, exactly. But let's get into this. No, yeah, let's get into this week, though. <laughs> so that is next yes, week. That's fun. Um, so you're not up to much. That's okay. You know, like you said, yeah, COVID. What about you? Uh, so last weekend... Um, we kind of did like our last hurrah of a get together. We went up North, uh, to Emily's parents' house. Uh, Emily's brother lives up North in Omaha. They came down. Emily's parents, uh, live in the, um, the near the airport. So we went up. So it was kind of a halfway point for everyone. And, uh, we did everyone's birthday that still needs to have a birthday this year. We just celebrated it all. Everyone got a slice of cake. We socially distanced. Uh, we put a candle in everyone's, uh, slice of cake. We sang happy birthday to us and we blew out the candle and we got birthdays done for the year. So side note, I I went and dropped off my, uh, you know, state of Missouri taxes at the post office the other day. And, um, I was going to do it certified mail because we were doing it like the last day you could do it, you know? And, um, and, uh, I was like, well, do I put this form in here and then, or does it a, a different envelope? And she was like, no, you can just use that envelope. And then I was like, oh, do you have like any glue or something? I don't know that I want to lick this and then hand it to you. And she was like, yeah, please don't. And I was like, yeah. And she was like, yeah, things are different now. And I was like, yeah, remember when we used to blow on birthday cakes before we ate them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that was the thing. Cause we were like, oh, well, should we all blow on this same birthday cake? And they're like, absolutely not. So then we got three different types of cake. Cause it was, um, it was, Emily's brother and sister-in-law and three kids, um, Emily's other brother, sister-in-law and child, and then the two of us, and then also one of the parents. So that's all because there was one person, I believe it was her mom, uh, who had already celebrated a birthday prior to this day. And so the rest of us got it all taken care of because, uh, Emily's oldest brother is a professor at Creighton. His wife is a high school science teacher. Uh, just to be completely honest with you, they're fucked. Um, so we're probably not going to see them for the rest of the year because of COVID. Uh, and then on top of that, her sister-in-law is a physical therapist with the elderly. So obviously can't see her after this. Um, and yeah, so we were just like, let's just get it all taken care of right now. Boom. Let's knock it out. There you go. So it was fun. Uh, we got to spend some time with them. Uh, we talked about uh, Hamilton. Hamilton was all the rage because uh, the kids are now into it. Although, here's here's a slippery slope of putting Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. It's fantastic, right? Uh, I know you haven't seen it. it you need to. It's great. Uh, it's, music's awesome. Great story. All of that good stuff. Uh, it's a little bit geared towards an adult audience, so there's curse words. And... Um, Heard the niece uh, say her first cuss word. I heard it. I mean, maybe she's cussed before, but she was just singing the song because there's a part where uh, one of the soldiers is like, I'm sleeping with this lady and she's married. And they're like, oh, that's not bad. And he goes, well, she's married to a British soldier. 
And then they go, shit. <laughs> and so it's a funny little part in the song, but I heard her say it and she kind of looked at me and I was like, I heard that. And she's like, I know you heard it. You know, like we had the stare, the stare off where we were like, we know what we just heard there. And then I was just like, hey, next time let's just not say that. She's like, oh, that's a bad word, isn't it? I'm like, yeah. I mean, I don't think so, but society does. And she's like, oh, right. okay. That's how I always had to explain that to my kids. I was like, hey, listen, um, society, uh, like, I told them like, hey, listen, I don't care about the word. I care more about your intent, right? If you call me, right? When we've said this oh, on the show, right? If times, you call yeah. me a friggin' butthole, it's it's the same as if you called me a fucking asshole if you had some bass in your voice and you were pointing at me. Um, I said, now that said, this is not how the rest of society operates. You will find out more as you get older. I don't operate the way most of society operates in a great many ways. So I'm like, you're going to have to get used to being able to do something at home that you can't necessarily do at school work, etc. Yeah, so uh we did that, had some fun. Uh I made ooh, I was successful in my first uh, attempt at a long cook on the grill. So I made pulled pork. Took not it took three, six yeah, it took nine hours to make. So I woke up, put it on the grill for Did you slaughter the pig? What did you do? No, so this is how you do it. First off, uh by the way, let's do a quick little trivia put you on the spot here, Tim. Uh Pork butt. Where does that come from? Where does that come from 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 the pig? Well, I'm gonna guess because of the way you're asking me, it's not the butt. Yeah, it's not. I guess maybe it's like some kind of hind quarter, maybe like a uh, like a you know right like a quad or something. Yeah, yeah, you would think that was right. Uh, fuck no, it's the shoulder. Here's why I know that now is because I was trying to find a recipe and I checked Google because Google trip typically is the first, you know, go to uh, resource that you have. I put in uh, how to grill pork butt and the first like 10 to 20 results was like uh, how to marinate your pork shoulder, pork shoulder, pork shoulder. And I was like, all right, shut the fuck up, Google, because, you know fuck google sometimes right so i i have the traeger uh which is my grill i have the app and so i put in uh pork butt and pork shoulder came up and i was like what in the flying fuck like i'm not stupid i know how to type things and search like i'm an adult and so finally i was like going on youtube how to grill pork butt and again pork shoulder showed up and i was like fine fuck it i'm just gonna watch one of these stupid ass videos so i pull up one of the first videos and within the first five to seven seconds the guy says so you probably thought the pork butt came from the butt it's actually the shoulder and i was like motherfucker <laughs> I, was, I was like oh so this whole entire time it's weird why would they so it comes it goes universally a butt yeah is a butt right so it goes back to and i didn't do a, an exhaustive deep dive on this but essentially it goes back to in Boston, they would put it in barrels and the like marinating of that uh, slice of meat in the barrels created what they called a butt. I don't know. It's again, I would have to do more of a deep dive, but it well, so, okay. I could see that. Yeah. So it's like a terminology of yeah. when you do, the, when you make something this way, you create a butt, right? right? Yeah. And it's not, doesn't mean a butt. It's just what we call right. it. Right. So again, it's very confusing. Uh, anyhow, I learned. Uh, but with making pulled pork from a pork shoulder or pork butt, uh, it takes a long time. So first thing you do is you put it on there for three hours. For, well, you marinate or excuse me, you you season it with whatever you want there, right? Three hours. Then you take it off. You, uh, three hours at 225. 
take it off. Then you put it into um, uh, a tin foil like wrap, and I put uh, apple juice in it. Put apple juice in it. Do that. Put it on for another six hours, and then you take it off, and then you can just pull it, and then put in your favorite barbecue sauce and get it all around there. Ooh, so good. We make so an good. excellent apple barbecue chicken here mm-hmm. at the uh, Rainer Ranch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was I was really proud of myself. I was able to do my first you know long cook, an all day kind of uh, man uh, grilling operation. Yeah. So I was proud of myself. Well, you know what I just did today uh, before this show started was. I uh, baked up, well, it's baking now as we're doing the show, but I whipped up a, it's a vegan, because my wife is vegan, um, vegan wild organic blackberry crisp mm, that, sounds that good. we got the wild organic blackberries from uh, our land here. Mm. So yeah, so yeah. Well, look at us. Yeah, Getting look all- at us. Chefs, yeah, we're just, just chefs. You know, we're, yeah. We might as well just do a chef show. You know, let's just transition yeah, should, out yeah. of pro wrestling. If, the Spanish announce uh, the Spanish announce kitchen table. Yeah, you know, I mean, let's just do it. Let's just start making stuff and put it on video. I'm down. Anyhow, uh, so yeah, that's what I was up to. Uh, so it was good to hear that you're also now a chef. We're both chefs here. Uh, we'll just, you know, what we should do? We should do a cooking video in Lucha Libre mask. That would be funny. Uh, Chef Tim and Chef Tom. Yeah, I like that. That's a great idea. Tweet the table if you like it too. Tim and Tom. (laughs) Hey, so let's get into this week in pro wrestling. So the biggest thing to happen uh, was another special event on TNT from AEW. It was called Fight for the Fallen, the second iteration of this specific event. Yeah. What did you think of Fight for the Fallen kind of from a high level view? Correct me if I'm wrong. Was this not like Fight for the Fallen? I thought was indicative of it was supposed to be like for. Uh, wasn't this like like dead troops kind of a thing? Yes, I believe it does support something with the military. I know that they have a shirt that you can get that would benefit a nonprofit. I can look that up right now. Actually, so so here's the thing, right? They never mentioned the fucking Fallen. They mentioned it only with Moxley and about Danny Havoc, you know, who's a pro wrestler who died recently in a, in a tragic situation. You know, like, I, I don't even know if they ever listed the cause of his death, but it was shortly after his, like, girlfriend died or fiance or something. And, you know, he's a CZW guy, hardcore guy that a lot of the mm-hmm. current top stars know. And, oh, yeah. Uh, but that's the only time they ever mentioned anybody that had fallen. And then, like, and then Ross, Jim Ross, twice called it Fighter Fest 2. Well, Jim Ross. When he opened the show and ended it, he called it Fighter Fest 2. Yeah. Well, jackass. Again, Jim Ross, you know my opinions on him. I think he's a great mind. His best days are behind him, though. So, and you know what I mean? Like, I. So here you go. I don't don't want to, like, hold people's feet to the fire for perfection, right? right? But, like,. You know, we, we harp on WWE because they're too scripted, too oversight, too micromanaged. Yes. And then AW, you know, is not that. But yet, is there not a happy medium? Like, mm-hmm. in no way should Jim Ross be allowed to be calling it the wrong name throughout the fucking show. Well, yes. A million percent agree. Hey, but I did find out. So let me clarify the statement. It is it is not actually dealing with military. So they have a they have a shirt. Uh, fight for the fallen. A hundred percent of the proceeds from the sales of this of the shirt will be no- donated to Florida's First Coast Relief Fund 
and feeding Northeast Florida. So I think they redirected this special nonprofit event to uh, go towards those two organizations where I think last year it was something with the military. So probably that's why you didn't hear any. Well, that's right. I mean, it, yeah, if it's, if it's something different every time and we're memor- you know, like if they were like, Hey, this time we're going to do the, you know, whatever came out of the pulse nightclub mm-hmm, or the, right. you know what I mean? Fine. Yeah. But like, they never mentioned the fallen at all. Yeah, I agree. That- <laughs> Until that one time, like they were like, well, Moxie's wearing the shirt of, the, of his old friend that died. Yeah. Like, well, Thanks, guys. Right. Thanks for telling me about the guy, even. Yeah. Like, I had to Google to figure it out. I, know. I agree. Yeah. It was sometimes to their detriment. And, and this is one of my criticisms that I've always had of the Young Bucks. It's, you know, you're assuming, and when I'm saying you, I'm referring to the Young Bucks, you're assuming I know everything you know. And that's not always the case. So sometimes it's rarely the case. Right. So sometimes you need to not go WWE style where it's like Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio saying eye for an eye 73 times in a four minute promo. But I do need to be informed a little bit of what is in this example, fight for the fallen, right? Like I need to give me a well, little bit more, a promo here or something like that. But and definitely don't just call it. The number two of the event we just ended that was a two-night event <laughs> the two previous Yeah, week. well, again, Jim Ross, you know, I've told you probably, I feel like since the second episode, he needs to the transition only way, out. The only way he, so, so he in his mind considered this event Fighter Fest 2. It's it's written all over everything. It's, it's Fight for the Fallen, Fight for the Fallen, Fight for the Fallen. And the other guys were saying Fight for the Fallen. You know what I mean? Like it's on shirts. It's it's on like you're saying, but he keeps saying Fighter Fest too. That means like he wasn't paying attention to meeting and somebody just like explained like the easiest way to describe this is it's five Fighter Fest two. Mm-hmm. Like Fighter Fest two, we had Fighter Fest two because this was the second iteration of Fighter Fest this year already. <laughs> like whatever. Right. But okay. So beyond that, uh, the show was good. I liked it. I mean, I liked uh, overall the show. I mean, there were some things that you know weren't. As impactful, I think, as Fighter Fest, but you know, again, it it did not feel like it was anything other than dynamite. So this one actually felt a little bit bigger to me than Fighter Fest, and maybe it was just right from the get go. It was a different intro, right? So it wasn't the typical AEW dynamite um, promo, or excuse me, highlight package going in to start the show as they did with Fighter Fest. So it caught my attention right there, and then. I don't know when you, to me, doing a two week event kind of dilutes the product, right? So it's not a, not as special if it's like, and then also next week we're going to do part, you know, seven or whatever it is. Right. So this one with the new intro or a specific intro for fight for the fallen and it being a one night event, it felt a little bit more like I have to like, I always do pay attention to AEW, but what I'm saying is like, I need to pay attention to this because this might be a little bit bigger of an event than fighter fest. So, well, yeah. And I mean, it did end with a world title match. And True. It have, yeah. It started with know, the title so, match I mean, and that. ended with the title match. So yeah, it felt a little and, bit bigger. And yeah. The only thing that should be multi week events, I feel are tournaments. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. King of the ring. You can get away with something like that. Uh, obviously like the TNT championship to get to the, you know, final match. I like that as well. Um, yeah, if you're going to call yeah, one number one contenders, right. you know, or a big event to, like you said, a King of the Ring style thing, mm-hmm. right? We're going to name somebody this, right? Or the world titles vacated and we're going to have a 16 man tournament over three weeks. Mm-hmm. I agree. So yeah, let's get into it. Let's uh, break this down. And then afterwards we'll touch on NXT 
WWE as a whole, and then get you our picks for the horror show at Extreme Rules. Uh, so yeah, kicking off Fighter Fest was the TNT Championship match between Cody, who was the TNT champion, alongside Arn Anderson taking on Sonny Kiss. Uh, what did you think about this first match on Fight for the Fallen? I thought this was a great way to kick it off, and I uh, was really surprised by Sonny Kiss. Now, I'd seen Sonny Kiss wrestle, but never really paid this much attention to Sonny Kiss wrestling, and Cody Rhodes, for what it's worth, is doing a great job putting over people that you wouldn't expect somebody mm-hmm. in his position mm-hmm. with this title, with what it's supposed to mean, to be putting them over, right? Um, and I don't know if you saw the the tweet or whatever he'd put out. Maybe it was a Facebook post. I don't know. Somebody had kind of alluded to the idea that, oh, I can't believe you're wrestling this, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. made some kind of disparaging remark about it. And he was like, well, you can just kiss my ass. I don't give a shit if you, right. you know what I mean? Like, uh, and good on him. I tried to show that to my wife because she's not, you know, into the wrestling. But I was like, look, this guy's like the president of the company. He's wrestling this person who's an, you know, an effeminate gay man, you know. Um, well, I think Sonny and, Kiss is actually gender fluid. So he does. Oh, gender fluid. Yeah, okay. There you go. Yeah. Sonny Kiss doesn't identify as male or female. As male or female. Right. See, and, you know, again, I, you know, we've talked about this. It's, it's hard for us to kind of we are we would consider ourselves allies but we also are not the most educated allies oh right yeah so (laughs) to peek behind the curtain uh uh, for listeners who go to our website uh, or visit any of our social media i brought back uh tom's top five and uh so this week i'm doing my my second article in a row of my top five and i'm putting sunny kiss in my top five because of how impressed i was of sunny kiss uh and so i'm learning how to write about a gender fluid person like because you cannot say he or she right it's all they yeah it is all they and that is very different yeah they them uh but so it's very difficult to like write and say you know he had a great springboard i'm like nope gotta back up and then put they had a great you know uh 450 splash off the top rope you know things like that uh so yeah like you said i feel like we're both allies in the sense of you know be you be happy um but we will stand by you if needed right but like you know we're not phds in in a lot of these areas we're just trying to say we support you in being who you are so um but yeah going back back to the wrestling which is what we are here for and that's kind of what the i wish we were at a point and hopefully we can get closer to a point at where we don't even have to address these kind of things, right? right. Where we can just talk about the goddamn wrestling mm-hmm. and how great it was. It was a really great wrestling match, I thought. What did you think? So I thought this was awesome. Like I just said, I'm in my top five. I have Sunny Kiss. And just to uh, give you a little bit more of a spoiler, I put Cody in there as well. Uh, this was not necessarily the best match of the night, but from a storyline perspective, I was the most impressed with. So... As you mentioned, Sunny Kiss doesn't get a lot of airtime. Uh, Kiss is doing that tag with Joey Janela right now, so that's still developing, and we're seeing what that is. I've said till I'm blue in the face, I want more Joey Janela. I want more Sunny Kiss. I want more uh, Brian Pillman Jr., who looks to be now in AEW. I want more of these new talents that I've only heard I of. I even want more Butcher and the Blade. Like I want more right, you know, exactly. these people I haven't seen. Yeah, so uh, with this match, first off, 
the thing that caught my eye is Sonny Kiss getting an intro with the Jacksonville Jags cheerleaders. Like, so yeah. that now just establishes, okay, this person is completely different than everyone else. Cause everyone else that night just walked out, right? It was Brandy and Allie with Dustin Rhodes walking out. It was Cody walking out. It was Lucha Bros walking out. Well, they came out in the truck, but you know what I'm saying? It was very, everything's kind of similar. And here's Sonny Kisses with cheerleaders, actual cheerleaders. So caught my eye there. Uh, I thought Kiss did amazing with a lot of uh, the offense that was given. Uh, but the I match was was stiff at times. Yeah, like it was good. But where I thought the match was the most interesting was on the flip side with Cody because it seemed to me that you know he said he was gonna have a schedule that no one could compete with, right? And that's fantastic. But in this match, you started to see a little bit of those heel tendencies to. God damn it. Why won't this person just, you know, stay down? Why did they kick out at two? Right. Like, why did you kick out at two on my finisher? Things like that. And so I like that. I don't think it's necessarily going to be a heel turn in the sense of now I'm going to, you know, say screw the fans. But I think it might be a heel turn in the sense of this TNT championship means more to me than anything else. So I'm going to keep it at all costs. Right. Well, it's realistic human tendency. Right. Yeah. If you're wrestling. Nobody is a perfect saint. Yeah. And if you're wrestling week in, week out against Jake Hager, Sonny Kiss, uh, Private Party, you know, a member from Private Party, um, uh, who, who else have they? Uh, I think Joey Janela also had an, uh, a shot at this title. Yeah, eventually it's going to catch up to you because you're just going to be physically exhausted and mentally exhausted. And so I like be sick. You might have the shits, right? And I, uh, you know? I liked how Arn Anderson got into his face a little bit. Uh, the other thing that I thought was very interesting about this match and kind of throughout the night is you know the open secret as far as booking in AEW is that Tully Blanchard alongside. Uh, Sean Spears is going to reform the four horsemen. And the rumor is it's going to be FTR, Sean Spears and Cody led by Tully Blanchard. And throughout the entire night uh, of this match, and even in the FTR match later, it was shots back to Tully Blanchard, just observing from the crowd. What are they going to call that? Oh, who knows? You know, because they can't call the four horsemen. No. Yeah. You know, they'll figure out some. Because then Arn Anderson will be involved, right? Because they're going to bring Cody into the fold, probably, right? Well, you think they, they they probably can't throw up the four, right? Because WWE could probably sue him for that, even. Yeah, as far as trademarks and legal, you know, ramifications, I don't know, but that is the open secret that told. Like the 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 foreshadowing of booking is that Cody turns on Arn, joins Tully alongside Spears and FTR, and then that would then pit. Cody against the elite. And so then you would have Kenny Omega, uh, the young bucks, hangman, Adam page and Matt Hardy on the other side. So we'll see, right? There's a, we can get into some more storyline, but just for this match specifically, uh, I thought it was great how the, yeah, the shots to Tully Blanchard, uh, the kind of tension between Arn Anderson and Cody, how Cody was just being exhausted and then sunny kiss. Yeah. Looking like a star, right? Like to take Cody to that limit, I mean, obviously, like I've said at the start of my recap of this match, uh, more sunny kiss, please. I- I'd like that. Yeah, what really got me at the end, after watching the whole thing and thinking, man, this was really good from what you're saying, right? In-ring was was good. Storytelling was great. Then that real emotion at the end where you could tell that was like a real conversation being had, mm-hmm. like a peek behind the curtain mm-hmm. where I was like, this is great. Like, 
you know, what's wholesome, but this company feels wholesome in some regards, you know? Oh, yeah. It definitely has a, a, a mom and pop feel to it, right? Because I, I think that comes from the top because Tony Khan is so active on Twitter and so transparent with uh, dealings and financials and ratings and things like that. So it doesn't feel like, you know, this ominous uh, Wizard of Oz, you know, man behind the curtain kind of thing. Uh, so I think, yeah, it gives that well, appeal to Cody has obviously been elite, and so have been the Young Bucks because, you know, they kind of started this whole train that Tony Khan, you know, reached out and said, hey, let's do something with this. Uh, but they have always come from a stance, and it's shown in their actions of, hey, we're not sitting on a throne here mm-hmm. saying, we did this, this mm-hmm. is us. Like, we're trying to show that, like, this is everybody like yeah. we can all do this. And it even shows like there is no central authority figure, right? Like later, a little bit of foreshadowing when Jericho's like, there will be no rematch. There's no authority figure coming out and saying, Oh yes, there will be right. Like it's, it's all done very community feel and it's very, it's, it's neat. Yeah. It's different. Definitely. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes, it is. And that's one of the most attractive things, uh, to be a fan of AEW is, uh, yeah, that wholesome feel. And, so far in their short history, everything makes sense. Everything has an A to B to C. And now, obviously, with COVID, that's thrown a, a you know a monkey wrench in some of the plans. I.e., you know, Orange Cassidy versus Pac was supposed to be a little bit longer with the Death Triangle and Best Friends, but that had to be shelved because Pac can't get into the country. Uh, but everything from a high level view makes sense. There's been nothing. That's the other way yet. around. We can't get into Pox country. Right. Yeah. We can't get over there now. Um, next up, we had probably, you know, two of the best tag teams uh, in the last five years, I'd say never facing each other. And this was a first time ever. It was FTR versus the Lucha bros. What'd you think of this? Uh, just good. Uh, you know, as much as, when they were the revival, I think we kind of shit on them because we were like, "Look, they're the same thing as you know whatever those other guys were, the motorcycle mechanics over there." Mm-hmm. Um, and um, WWE kind of boringed them down a whole bunch, and not that they're not a whole lot different here. Mm-hmm. They do have a little bit more of an edge to them, um, but they're not bad. I mean, they are good. They do tag team wrestling, traditional tag team wrestling really damn well which is what they've been saying all along and the lucha bros i mean how many times can we say how great they are at what they do and just charismatic they are uh so this was i mean i had high expectations going into it and they met them yeah this one was cool uh right from the get-go one thing that just caught me off guard is as the lucha bros came in they came in via butcher and the blade driving FTR's truck (laughs) into the arena. So it still shows that alliance between FTR and butcher and the blade, which I, I I liked a lot because obviously the week before they got the win over FTR and the young bucks, Lucha bros and, and butcher. Yeah. Lucha bros. Sorry. FTR. Right. Yeah. Right. What I liked about this is on paper, I really thought that this was going to be a clusterfuck of a match, right? I thought it was going to be a lot of FTR not used to uh, having to like hold the ropes and wait for a big move to take, you know, to take on, or it was going to be a lot of um, Lucha Bros almost getting too fidgety with like, okay, it's a side headlock. Can we fucking do something else here? You know, Uh, but I thought it actually complemented each other really well. I thought both styles yeah, meshed well. well. Um, and I also like the the finish with uh, FTR uh, taking, I think it was um, Pentagon Jr.'s mask, or it could have been Phoenix. I think now it was Phoenix. Uh, 
one of the FTR uh, members, and I can't remember their names, the bald one, <laughs> uh, taking off the mask of Phoenix and then getting the roll up. Because then it shows like, hey, man, you kind of cheated to do that. I don't think you could really beat the Lucha Bros if it was straight up. So you kind of did a bullshit move. But, hey, you got to beat them sometimes, right? So I thought that was really cool. No flips, just fists, right? Flips and, yeah, fuck yous, right? No flips, just fists and middle fingers. Post-match is where this got really good. So uh, FTR gets the win over the Lucha Bros. Uh, The Young Bucks come from behind of Butcher and the Blade. Uh, give them a super kick, take the key, come to the ring, kind of a peace offering, says, hey, we got your uh, truck back. FTR takes the key. Hey, thanks a lot. Kenny Omega tries to play Peacemaker, offering a beer, because if you remember the week before, uh, he refused. It caught- we gave him milk, right? Well, yeah. He, uh, uh, well, he got the beer, and he's like, I drink milk. Like He didn't do it, so it pissed off FTR. So this week, he grabbed right. the beer, and he said, here, FTR, you know, take this uh, as a peace offering one time I'll drink with you and instantly FTR just dumped the beer on Kenny Omega's head uh, what'd you think of that I like it because so again I, I like this subtle story here right so again this feels relatable and real right these guys had a beef long time because they didn't really know each other they had conflicting styles and they felt like they were shitting on each other and they get here and one side's like all right, maybe we've been dicks. I'm sorry. Here, look, we'll help you out. I know these guys are dicks too. Here, right? Cool. Let's, maybe we can work this out. And they go, eh, I mean, you know, maybe we don't hate you as much, but still we're here to kick ass. Yeah, and, we, we don't you know, want to be your like, friends. We're not here to make friends. Yeah. So. I thought this was really interesting uh, because of what happens a little bit later on in the show, and we'll get to that. But in this moment, it really felt like another kind of relatable moment uh, where it's the nerdy guy who a week before didn't really understand what he was doing that was so offensive. So then to make good, he's going to try the beer, right? Mm-hmm. And then the cool guys in the room are like, no, you're a fucking dork. Now I don't want to drink with you because you're a dork, not because you offended us last week. I just think you're a, a you know a square, a nerd, a, a geek, a dweeb. You know? I don't want to have to train you every week. Right, yeah. Like you're, to fucking drink beer. Yeah, like I don't want to have to fucking teach you how to dress and be cool like us. So here's a beer on your head. And so that is what I thought was interesting. It was almost like the, you know what? We realized kind of like what you said. We were so far apart. We were talking shit. Now we're here together. And guess what? We actually think you're just nerds. Like, yeah. we don't think you're nice yeah. and cool. Yeah. It's like, it like, okay. So now we're less mad thinking that you're like these evil pricks now we just realize like ah okay you just don't know what you're talking about you didn't realize what you were saying but you're just dorks and we'd just rather not hang out with you right and so so that was the part that i thought was cool obviously the young bucks uh stop an altercation from happening um but yeah that's how that segment ended uh and again a little bit of foreshadowing into another match that we'll uh cover here in just a second but i thought that was really cool i thought it was really awesome Uh, Next, we had a promo from Chris Jericho, the demo god, as he calls himself now. Uh, It ends with Orange Cassidy giving the thumbs down uh, via or a la uh, Batista. That's what it made me think of. Uh, And then Orange Juice falling on the inner circle. Uh, What did you think of the demo god? You know, talking about the 18 to 49, Orange Cassidy, all of that stuff. What's your two cents on this? So... 
So AEW has taken a turn and started losing in the ratings, which they were never until, you know, a couple weeks into this, right? Last couple weeks. And he is right. Jericho is right. Yes, overall, they've started losing the ratings number. But in that 18 to 49 demo, which is, you know, most anybody who's actually watching, you know, late night TV, um, yes, they're still winning it, right? But... Yeah, it's fun that, like, I I love how Jericho does that, right? He'll find anything to twist into a new catchphrase Mm -hmm. and a new statement. And then the play on Demigod, I mean, it all works great, Mm -hmm. right? And and Jericho will never run out of things to say, right? We've learned that. He will never be at a loss for words. He will never not have a catchphrase. He will never not have a T-shirt, ever. And this works great. The demo god, right? Um, The orange juice thing (laughs) was great. And then the towel, I mean, all of it, right, was just great. And still, they're finding new ways to Orange Cassidy just not have to say or too much, but it's something different every time. It, it blows my mind. I, I don't think I could keep coming up with ways to write for Orange Cassidy. Now, I don't know if he's doing it or somebody else is doing it, but each week they find a way for him to do not much, but be completely new and entertaining. Yeah, I agree. So... Going back to the demo conversation, one thing that I've just never understood, and this I think we have discussed on a previous episode, but like a 20-year-old and a 41-year-old have fucking nothing in common. I've never understood why that demographic is so large. Like it is like I feel out of so, touch well, with people. But they'll with even break it down further. They'll even break it down further. And that's the deal. It's like, yeah, they, you can say, well, in 18 to 40, 91, but they'll also break down 18 to 25. Yeah. Now that's 40, like, right. So, you know, yeah, I agree. But like, you know, just generally speaking from a television kind of ratings thing that we've heard since the Monday night wars, I've always just scratched my head and said 18 to 49. The fuck is that? That's a, that's a dad and his son in some worlds, you know, like, like they have I wonder nothing if that's based on who's likely to go out and spend money on yeah the products are trying to hawk or something you know and that could be it but so yeah which is why a lot of people covet women because women now the balance is switched to the women in the family tend to have the buying power Mm -hmm. um and so that's why you've seen a lot of programs in like nfl and things like like cater towards women like i know that was a big thing about demos but they weren't even mentioning a gender yeah in these demos it was just an age so and again you can cherry this is what Chris Jericho's doing here, and part of that's, you know, to be the asshole to do this for the gimmick, Mm -hmm. Um, but he's cherry-picking here, right? Yeah. Overall, you lost the ratings, and you could look at numerous different demos, quote-unquote, and find where AW still lost the ratings, but he can go, ah, but here we won. Well, yeah, when you (laughs) isolate this group without breaking down genders, without breaking down, yeah, Mm -hmm. but it's great, the demo god. Yeah. Why not? I like the, so I like the nickname. I do think it's a little petty. Now, I- I'm letting it slide as far as like real like heat that I'm giving towards AEW because it's heel saying it, right? I think it comes off a little bit petty and a little bit beneath someone if it was a baby face saying this. Like if it was the Young Bucks or uh, Cody or even Kenny Omega that's like, so uh, the demos are still great in 18 to 49. Like that sounds stupid. But when it's a heel like MJF or when it's Jericho. Yeah. It, it, well, because I don't care watching the product that 
the rest of America likes this one better than the other right. one, right? Like, that's not going to make me go, well, you guys lost last week, so I'm not going to watch it this yeah. week. Like, I'm never going to do that. And I don't know that anybody is. I don't know anybody bases their decision on what to watch based on what won the ratings the week prior. Yeah, the only thing I think possibly is, like, you want to be a part of the cool thing, right? So if you start to see everyone move towards one you know, storyline or gimmick, maybe that's when you're like, okay, well, I guess I got to know what this is about too. Maybe there, True. but, uh, so yeah, I thought the demo God, I thought it was funny, right? Like you said, the, uh, the shirt is funny. Uh, it's already on pro wrestling tees. You can get it now. Um, and that was cool. The orange Cassidy part, this is, so he orange Cassidy walks a fine line, right? It walks a fine line between, uh, a little bit of like Santino Morella or it goes into like the cool, you know, James Dean kind of guy, right? Like it's a fine line between mm-hmm. both sides of those kind of polar opposite characters. This one was good, but I don't want to see any, like, I wouldn't want to see anything more elaborate for the king of sloth yeah. style. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Yeah. We don't want these elaborate pranks because that's not what he does. Right. Like, right? that's too much effort. That's too much. Uh, he should have just strolled down there, slapped him, and got out. Well, no, no, no. Or something, you know? Like, no, I like the orange juice. Like, I do because it fits well, the character. It was a return favor. Right. It was a receipt. That, yeah, exactly. So, again, like, that's the line for me. Like, he hit it. And then it wasn't anything more, right? So if he would have... Well, and it was great because of the... Like, he always gives that thumbs up. Mm-hmm. So then he did the thumbs down. Right. And Jericho even plays into it. He's like, oh, you're going to give us a thumbs down? And then like, oh, that's what he meant. Yeah. Right. And so uh, that was the line for, for me for with Orange Cassidy right there. Just now go back to more King of the Sloth style. Uh, oh, can I point out mm-hmm. what I loved about it was later when Jericho's doing the commentary... How Excalibur kept getting in his shit about it and kept like throwing the replays oh, yeah. at him and kept just sarcastically jabbing him about it. It was great. Well, the show ended with, um, I smell like orange juice, and then Jim Ross just saying, you stink. <laughs> like, that's how the show ended. I thought that was great because uh, Jericho just kept playing into uh, how he was covered in orange juice. Uh, so, yeah, I like what Orange Cassidy did there. Ortiz doing his best impersonation of <laughs> Vince McMahon, how he couldn't. Yeah. And you know, one thing that it it went, uh, my mind went right back to is the uh, stadium stampede match when he wouldn't get into the uh, kiddie pool because right. he couldn't swim. And so I literally thought like he's doing this because he's fearful that he doesn't know how to swim. I thought he was great in that. Yeah, it was all great. Well, and then like just the towel thing. Oh, I mean, and like, the towel at the very end. Yeah, I I nudged my wife who was watching another show on her phone, uh, but she kind of saw the the orange juice fall and giggled a little bit. And then at the very end, I nudged her and I was like, "Look at the towel he's drying off with." And she kind of grinned. And I was like, "See, that's fucking awesome. Like those are little <laughs> details that really makes it worthwhile." Uh, so yeah, it was a good episode. Obviously, this is going to lead to a rematch. Uh, when we don't know maybe the next big well, yeah because that was it too like he's like there will be no rematch there will be no rematch and then as soon as that happened he's like there's gonna be a rematch, <laughs> <laughs> a rematch. Yeah, orange cassie didn't even ask for anything he just dumped orange yeah. juice on you yeah he never asked yeah it was he great never asked. yeah it was yeah. he was yeah it was really done well but again uh get back a little bit more to the just hey right i just walk through people's interviews whatever kind of thing um but yeah it, it was it was a very well done segment uh, after that, uh, we took a break and then we came back six man tag. We had Jurassic express versus the elite and uh, the elite to clarify for those who don't know. Cause again, 
they do a little bit of this like well don't you know who the elite is and like i think so but maybe just tell me uh it was the young bucks and kenny omega taking on uh jurassic express what did you think of the six-man tag uh, the after match stuff was way more entertaining to me. Not that the match wasn't good. I mean, you know, we know all these folks can, can go. Um, but I found myself being more entertained by Jericho, if 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 I'm being honest, during the match. But the post match stuff is what really got me. Right with with like you alluded to earlier, Kenny Omega kind of snapping for a second, mm-hmm. and then everybody being like, whoa, 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 and he's like, what? It's a match, and they're like, I know it's a match, but the match is done. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, so the the in ring action was hit and miss, right? The Canadian destroyer that uh, I believe Marco Stunt got on Matt Jackson. You know, I, why is Matt Jackson just standing on the top of the ropes? Why is Nick Jackson helping Luchasaurus and Matt Jackson stay stable? Like that's where my suspension of disbelief gets broken, and I'm like, what are we doing here? Yeah, I hate the overdone move. Yeah, like, if you've got to pause for a second when you were seemingly healthy, like you weren't knocked out. Yeah. You weren't out of breath. Well, and then like in that move, Nick Jackson was just standing to the side, and when the Canadian destroyer was hit, he just fell to the ground. And I was like, the yeah. fuck for? Like what did nothing happened to right. you? Well, and that's it. Like it's kind of like the when uh, when Scott Hall would do the uh, you know, razor's edge and he would like put somebody's head between his legs and then he'd like throw his arms out and I'm like, Why isn't that person like wiggling? Yeah. Why aren't they trying to get away from yeah. you? Yeah, like that that is uh egregious in the nineties, but now in twenty twenty, like this is the part where it's like, Why are why are we doing this move? It's it's taking too long. There's no, you know, cinematic match that you can get better angles on and faster pace. So let's just not do that. But it was a spectacle, right? The, like you said, the moves are the moves and they are going to catch your eye and at least keep you entertained to get from point A to point B to the finish. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that I liked about this match. So like I alluded to earlier, FTR dumps two beers on Kenny Omega, right? It's like, you're a fucking dork. This is how I took it. You're a fucking dork. Hit the bricks, kid. We're out of here. Go grab our gym bags. Uh, you know, we're going to take a shower. Uh, Getting in our trucks, drink some yeah, beer, take, and yeah, find right. some ladies. After our shower, we're going to drink some beer, yada, yada. So you have the elite, Kenny Omega uh, and the Young Bucks in a match. Well, we go backstage and we see... Hangman Adam Page is drinking a beer, watching a match, just entertaining himself by, you know, watching a good six-man tag. And then FTR comes in and is like, hey, can we drink with you? And he's like, of course. Like, yeah, why wouldn't you? Mm. So now you have these more, it's like a fucking onion here. So now we have layers to where FTR thinks Kenny Omega is a fucking dork, but Hangman Adam Page we can hang out with. On top of that. he's not a dork. Right, he's not a dork. On top of that, they're who were we're wanting to take out on top of that. We know that hangman Adam page has some issues. He still. also thinks the young bucks are doors, right? He still has some issues with the elite, right? And, and, uh, the young bucks specifically on top of that, you know, him and, uh, hangman Adam page and Kenny Omega aren't necessarily best of friends. Like he wasn't there ringside watching this match. And so it's just adds on all these layers of like, well, what are we going to do? And then all the while, here's another layer to this, this storyline. Tully Blanchard was shown multiple times scouting and just watching, just as he did with FTR and the Lucha Bros. And it's just like, what? In, God bless it. Like, I don't know in what's going to happen. 
You know, like I don't know yeah. what's going to happen. And that is so much fun. I love shout, this. Match. Shout out to Tully Blanchard for wearing his mask. Yeah. Hey, FYI, uh, AEW fans. First off, I don't know how they're getting fans in there. I've heard that everyone gets tested and I'm really hoping that's true. But if you're going to wear a mask in match one, wear it throughout the entire night. There was a couple of shots where it was like, hey, that fucking person's not wearing a mask anymore. Like the threat is still real it doesn't well, yeah, go away they did mention that like shivani wasn't allowed in because his just the test result didn't come back in time they're like yeah he's fine but like as far as we know but we don't know so right and that's one thing we also didn't point on uh or, or touch on uh start the show tony shivani was out so taz actually started on commentary thought he did a really good job putting over he brian did. cage throughout the entire match mm-hmm. or entire night uh that he was there while also putting over the in-ring action and then, yeah, Jericho took over for him on the second half of the show. Uh, but, but, yeah, going back to this match, I thought all of the storytelling was just perfect for me. Like, I was the mat, like I said, the moves are the moves, but uh, FTR well, sitting with Hangman There's Adam no, Page. Nobody's hitting you over the head with, with easy answers. Oh, yeah, because then, yeah, like yeah. you alluded to, so Kenny, Kenny Omega post match just beats the shit out of Marco Stunt, which again, is he being is he fed up being the nice guy, right? Like he just got beard doused on him because people thought he was a dork. Well, at least two of them thought he was a dork. So maybe he's like, you know what? He's like, hey, I'm one of the best in the fucking world. Yeah, and I'm gonna fucking show it. Like, so you know what are we doing, right? Like, this is fun. This is pro wrestling to me. This is what we're we're here to watch. And uh, so I loved it. One other thing though that I wanted to mention, and you talked about how Chris Jericho was one of your favorite parts uh, of this match. I wrote this down. He he said, uh, slow counting, bald looking dummy. And Jim Ross was like, was that a song? He goes, yeah, I think it was a Garth Brooks song. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he sang it. Yeah, he goes, slow counting, bald looking dummy. <laughs> yeah. That made me laugh so Whoa, hard. Um, God, what was the thing? He said, um, oh, he said, he was talking about Lucha Sword and he's like, Do you hear he said he was sixty five million years old? He goes, I don't buy that and he and uh Ross was like, I was a bit skeptical of that myself. And then he's like, Jericho goes, I want to see his birth certificate and Excalibur goes, They didn't have birth certificates back then. He goes, All right, well played. <laughs> yeah, he's like, All right, you got me. Yeah, all right, fine. Yeah, it was the commentary added to this match, but yeah, the slow counting bald looking dummy. <laughs> it was a Garth Brooks Hey, this song. this was the most I've ever liked Excalibur too yeah. in this segment right mm-hmm. here. Like him going at it with Jericho I was like, Oh shit, Excalibur's got some chops. Right. And that's where again, you know, what my my biggest criticism of a dynamite show is that and you know, I'm sorry to to be droning and beating the same drum, but like you have three people doing the same thing. We need a little bit of variety here. And when Jericho, who is the commentator of the year, wouldn't you agree? Who, yeah, who would he's be? He's the color commentator. Oh yeah, he's the best. Yeah, I mean Samoa Joe maybe second because he's doing awesome yeah, on Raw. Samoa Joe is really good. Yeah, and, and obviously it's two different roles, right? Like Samoa Joe is to give you the I've been in there with. Kevin Owens, I know what this feels like. And Jericho's just doing the slapstick. This is, you know, slap, slow counting, bald looking dummy. Mm-hmm. So it's two different <laughs> things, but Jericho's number one in my book for right now. But uh yeah, it was it was so much fun. Um they made the match, and then again, the storytelling of FTR drinking beer with Adam Page, Kenny Omega maybe fed up with being the nice guy, jumping Marco Stunt post match. Uh this yeah, this is something that has me interested for next week and weeks to come. Like I love this part. Exactly. This was my favorite. This was my favorite segment. You know, match included uh, of the entire night. I loved everything about it. I agree. All right, next up, 
we had it. Let's just be honest. Uh, well, actually, before that match, we had Nyla Rose come out and she announced her new manager, yeah. and it is the one, the only one of the goats, especially with female managers, Vicky Guerrero. What do you think about Vicky Guerrero managing Nyla Rose? I think they did her theme music amazing. For one, I don't know if you caught it. Um, they like technoed up the excuse me oh yeah uh-huh. uh, yeah god's great mm-hmm. and then just it's a good fit they look right together like I, i'm gonna love every bit of this for a while i i feel like and i've missed vicky guerrero it did get old at the end in wwe i mean as much with anything that you're gonna run out there a hundred weeks in a row or more well you know, but and then wwe just, wasn't God. also doing her favors by didn't she get puked on one week yeah you know like they were doing the sl- whatever yeah. yeah they were doing some stupid shit with her too but uh, it's one we didn't even consider we didn't even think of it when we were trying to cover who it would be yeah and who it could possibly be and that was so i was genuinely surprised when the music hit and i was like oh this is perfect like even though we didn't expect it, I wouldn't change it for anybody else. Exactly. I and I thought, like, this is perfect booking, in my opinion, because you have, like, you you almost have the female version of Harvey Whippleman and Elegante in WWE, where, like, or even Bill Alfonso and Taz, or Bill Alfonso and Sabu, where it's this loud mouth, you know, I would kick this person's ass. I'm going to rear back and punch this motherfucker right between the eyes. Here I go. What the fuck? Who is this person that just stood in front of him? It's Taz. It's Sabu. And in this case, it's Nyla Rose. And it's like, well, fuck, I can't beat this person up. Right. And right. so like just that dynamic of Vicky Rero, who we know is, I mean, if she's not in, um, she face in, you know, two weeks, like they're doing it wrong. Right. And so just, going to be the just pain in the ass for the women's division Ever, you're going to probably have heels and baby faces you know teaming up to beat up vicky girl but as soon as they start to like i said rear back and punch her nyla rose steps up and they're like well fuck we're done okay sorry sorry we'll walk away you know like penelope ford will not like vicky girl you know what i mean like right. this is going to be so much fun and yeah nyla rose is already an unstoppable train in the women's division and now you have this you know let's be honest this asshole of a manager vicky guerrero who's just a loud mouth rating personality on screen right like you're just like oh my god she's so loud oh my god yeah belligerent yeah it's 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 annoying in all the best ways. And so this is gold to me. I just, I loved it. This was, this was another, like you said, I didn't pick it. I didn't think about it, but as soon as it happened, I started clapping. I was like, of course, of fucking course, this is who the manager should be. I liked it so well, much. We just never considered, cause we thought Vicky Guerrero was like a one-off, like, Oh, neat. Right. Right. I never thought. I just thought she was going to be around. in the crowd. Yeah. So great. Definitely. Perfect choice. I love it. Yep. So then after that, uh, we had the Nightmare Sisters in a squash match. It was against two enhancement talents. You know, they furthered the storyline with uh, Allie, you know, trying to get the spotlight from Brandy. Brandy's still trying to work with this new member in the Nightmare family. Dustin in the background trying to hold it all together. One criticism I will give AEW uh, as far as the structure of the night is it felt like the women were in the piss break uh, 
for both segments, right? So right after that six man tag and the Kenny Omega, is he a heel? Is he a baby face? Uh, you know, hangman drinking beers with FTR. We had a promo, which is fine. And that's a good, like, all right, we're coming down. But then you also had a squash match, which was three minutes long. So they could have maybe moved around the women to more prominent spots. Um, but yeah, going back to this match, a squash match, nightmare family wins. Uh, what'd you think? Yeah. I mean, I, I could care less about the storyline if I'm being honest. I, it, it's not going to go anywhere intriguing that I see. Um, I think they have some so options. I was kind of like, why are they here? Yeah, yeah, I agree, right? Like on the fight for the fallen, I don't think they should have been in that spot. That is more of a just traditional AEW dynamite episode, right? Like that's where a squash match I should, I would think should be. Now with COVID, maybe they had something planned with. Lance Archer or, you know, fill in the blank and that couldn't happen. So they did this last minute Uh, with the storyline. I think there's some fun things we can do, right? QT Marshall is in love with Allie. So does that affect his relationship with Brandy and Dustin? Uh, Does Dustin start to warm up to Allie, which then makes Brandy jealous? Does Brandy, you know, just hate Allie for no apparent reason. And then, you know, you could pull Cody into this too, right? Cody's kind of out in his own little island, but you could pull him into this as well. So they have some things they could do. We'll just see what happens. Uh, it's not on the top of my radar as far as like favorite storylines or storylines. I want to see more, but it's pretty good. It's good for a lower mid card storyline. I think it's better than, you know, uh, random match on raw with, uh, Ruby Riot and one of the iconic members. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's like it's better than that. that. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. All right. Next up, we had the main event the AEW champion, John Moxley, taking on the FTW champion, the unrecognized badass of pro wrestling, Brian Cage, alongside Taz. Uh, before the match, Taz cuts a Another awesome promo, just cutting down John Moxley, calling him a coward, essentially, and every other, you know, you're a wuss type uh, insult you have. Uh, and then we get the match. Uh, what did you think of this? Well, we got that Moxley promo. Oh, was that's that true. Yeah, break? yeah. And that was really good. That one got me more hyped for the match than I had been prior. Um, and he made good on his on his call, right? He's like, I'm gonna. He's like, I'm going to go after his arm. And he did. Yeah. And and I thought that was really good storytelling. Yeah. And it alluded to what the real fact was, is Brian Cage was going to debut a little bit earlier, but because of his injury, he had to push that a little bit back. And uh, throughout the entire match, since that was brought up, that's what John Moxley attacked. Right. So uh, it was good continuity between promo and match. It wasn't as if, you know, I'm going to rip your bicep. And then all of a sudden I had uh, all of a sudden I start attacking your heels, right? Like that wouldn't make any fucking sense. Uh, so yeah, the match made sense. It was really physical, which John Moxley matches are turning into like every single one of them, uh, just as physical as the one before, except for that Kenny Omega match was just on an otherworldly, you know, brutality. Uh, but we get a, uh, throw in, I guess submission. I don't know what that's called. It's a forfeit because Taz throws in the towel, so Brian Cage loses. John Moxley retains. Yeah, because yeah, because Cage didn't submit, right? So he can't be charged with the submission, right? Now these the fucking rules, right? Yeah, it's pro wrestling, right? We didn't call it whatever it is, but yeah, Taz essentially saves his meal ticket by keeping Brian Cage's arm intact. Uh, I liked when uh, John Moxley went belly down on the arm bar and looked at Taz and just flips him off. Like I thought that was a really you know cool spot. Um, 
I'm still not 100% sold on the John Moxley as the champ kind of AEW face of the company thing. I think it's good filler. Like he's believable. He's a big enough name. He's going to catch some folks that maybe don't know what AEW is, but are flipping through the oh. channels and they go, "Oh shit, is that Dean Ambrose?" Right. And, I agree. Wait a minute, what is this? Um, I thought it was really good for Brian Cage. I have never been like a huge Brian Cage fan, albeit that I knew like I was like, man, this guy's like they said, not only big and swole up, but also can fucking jump around like the damn luchas, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Um, this one helped a little bit, right? The match was good. I think Moxley helped kind of carry the storytelling aspect of it more. Um, And it fit. And it it was really good to save Cage from, you know, not losing necessarily, right? And still look like a tough badass. But yet Moxley still gets to walk out of there with that title. Um, I would have liked to seen a little more... Uh, Brian Cage being pissed off at Taz for doing it. Maybe that's yeah. To come. That's what. That's the only criticism I had of this match. And we actually, uh, I asked on our Facebook and Twitter um, pages, what you what you think of AEW Fight for the Fallen? And we we had a, a listener, and let me try to find it again. We actually had a listener respond, and he's yeah, a regular contributor too. Yeah, uh, we see you out there. Yeah, yeah, and he said he essentially out there, and I don't know. Yeah, he said essentially the same thing that you did, where it's like uh, the FTW belt is essentially you know in the same uh, same character as Taz, and if Bill Alfonso would have thrown the talent for Taz, Taz would have fucking killed Bill Alfonso. But like with this, Brian Cage just starts attacking John Moxley. So uh, his name was uh, Adam Russell Bisco. I don't know how to say his last name. Yep. Yep. Okay. So Adam. Yep. Thanks for the comment. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know Adam, thanks for the comment. If you're listening, uh, appreciate it. And if you want to comment on any of our questions, uh, at Table Show on Twitter. Uh, at Table Show on Twitter. Uh, the Spanish Downs Table Podcast on Facebook. Um, yes. You know, Instagram or Tweet the Table, but you can't really, you know, comments on there. Probably well, you can because I actually asked bit, uh, I asked a question on there unrelated to um, oh. AEW, but I asked, uh, what's your favorite pro wrestling theme right now so your favorite current right. pro wrestling theme so well we, we used to have hashtag tweet the table feel free to use that we'll still get that uh filtered to us and, and notice that like yeah we can reach out to us yes we're definitely so yeah table show at gmail.com if you want a long-winded email i'm not gonna say we're gonna read it here but if you need to reach out to us and talk to us we'd love to hear from you definitely so just wanted to bring that up because yeah i agreed with adam there where yeah, Brian Cage should have pushed Taz around and Taz should have, you know, reasoned with them like, you don't understand. We have this plan, this plan, this plan. And then, okay, maybe, you know, cooler heads prevail. And then we attack John Moxley. But yeah, it just felt like, all right, well, now I just attack John Moxley. Uh, the big payoff here, which I'm going to be completely honest, a little underwhelming. It's great to see him, but the lights go out. Darby Allen uh, emerges from the darkness hits fucking cage it looks like right in the throat with a skateboard <laughs> right which i thought was which pretty is great because that would be believable right yeah. the guy would be out like I, I would not be able to fight if somebody just jammed a skateboard into my throat from the top rope yeah i would yeah i would be running to the back as quick as possible if that happened to me so what did you think about the finish though so you kind of alluded to the fact you wish brian cage would have um you know fought with taz a little bit more about you know essentially forfeiting the match on his behalf uh, but do you think, you know, traditional pro wrestling booking here would have been Brian cage has John Moxley set up for his finisher lights go out. Darby Allen shows up, costs Brian cage, the match, John Moxley gets the win. Yada, so, yada, yada. So we did it yeah. a little differently. what do you think about that? I think what happens here is 
they don't want Brian Cage to necessarily look weak and that he can't beat Moxley. He can't win the title, right? So I think what he's going to be pissed. They're going to argue. Darby Allen's going to come out again. They're going to get this. All right, well, we'll settle this. We're going to face off, and then the winner will face Moxley, right? Like, either I'll get my rematch or yeah. you'll get it, mm-hmm. right? And then we're going to take care of each other. And then for whatever reason, Darby Allen pulls out the sneak, ha-ha, victory. That gets Brian Cage away from facing Moxley, and then that can get Moxley can beat Darby Allen in a, oh, man, he was really good, but just not enough, right? And then Moxley can move on. I hope so. Yeah, that would be good. I just found it interesting that they put, you know, again, Taz threw in the towel, but they put Moxley over clean, right? Like, Mm -hmm. again, the towel is what it is, and maybe that leads to something, uh, some foreshadowing down the road. You know, maybe it's a good callback to say now Brian Cage. We haven't seen a thrown-in towel in a while. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to the days of Bob Backlund and Iron Sheik, right? Um, Yeah. so, I can't even. I mean, like in, in our lifetime, we've seen it. I think, but I don't. I don't remember off the top of my head, like who the last yeah I, match winner of by you know a manager or other person throwing in a towel is. Yeah, I can't. I can't think off the top of my head. Tweet the table if you know it. If you're listening and you're like you dumb asses, it's this right. You dumb so, bucks. It was you know. Yeah, it was Sheamus. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So um, Dana Brooke. <laughs> it was Dana. Dana. It's Dana Brooke. She does great karaoke. <laughs> Um. All right. Oh, so geez. that was AEW fight for the fallen. Really excited for next week. Uh, again, that tag team division and tag team storytelling right now is just off the charts. Awesome. We still didn't even touch on some of the other uh, storylines that I'm interested in this episode. Cause you still have Col- Colt Cabana and uh, the dark order. Yeah, we didn't get any dark order. Yeah. yeah I mean, you, you still have SCU, uh, there was plenty of time. MJF was in a part of this episode, at least. I mean, he was in the crowd, but he wasn't, you know, in the the show itself. Uh, so yeah, a lot of still great uh, meat on the bone, as they say with AEW. Now let's transition. Also on Wednesday night was NXT. Uh, what you think of NXT? This was the first Keith Lee double champ uh, NXT episode. Uh, kind of a again a high level view. What'd you think of this episode? I think it was. Not bad, especially with the Keith Lee aspect. Um, you know, they were able to kind of continue his his role as that, you know, good guy face that everybody likes. Um, and that was kind of the main focus of the show, if we're being honest, right? Everything else felt kind of, you know, not really. I mean, there was a women's title match and stuff, but nothing really felt, you know, like this is a major crux of a storyline right. here, right? They're I just agree. This is the WWE formula, right? They had a big event. This week we take it slow. Yeah, the only thing that I thought was somewhat interesting is Killian Dane working with um with, with that manager now I can't even Robert Stone. Um, mm. I thought like so is he gonna you know next week be in like a man bun and a suit and he's a Robert Stone guy. Uh, he's gonna be that taking be on fun. Dexter Loomis next week. I thought that was interesting. Other than that, agree with you, Keith Lee. You know. It was a good first week, right? We I wasn't expecting him to move mountains in his first week and, you know, put both titles in a... Both titles online? Dominic Dijakovic, which fit, right? Yeah. Like, you know, this is a guy he had a big rivalry with and then turned friendship and, right, a you know, they put on great matches. And, of course, he would be like, here, you get the shot then. Let's prove it, right? Let's keep it going. And, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was every bit of what it was. It, was, it wasn't easy for Keith Lee. Mm-hmm. Right? I agree. It yeah, wasn't like one that. of their best matches. You know, they've had better matches, I think, uh, if, if they're also being honest, they would say yeah. say the same thing. Um, 
But yeah, I thought the Killian that Dominic Dijakovic is am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he might have a decent future. Like he feel I feel like he's getting better though, and kind of learning how to do this. Like it's clear he hasn't been, you know, running the pro wrestling ropes for twenty years or nothing. Yeah, you know? I think I think though. So post match, you saw uh, Donovan backstage get approached by Karrion Cross, mm-hmm. and Cross essentially was like, "You're a piece of shit." <laughs> yeah, I'm paraphrasing here. Yeah, uh, obviously he didn't say that, but uh, he's like, "You're a piece of shit." And so now they're going to have a match. I kind of think, though, Donovan uh, might be going to the main roster and we might get mm. a uh, sheep to the slaughter and Karrion Cross just dominates him to then be the number one contender against mm. Keith Lee down the road. Just consumes his soul. Right. I mean, look, hey, where's Tommaso Ciampa since he lost uh, at the Great American Bash? True that. I ain't seen him. Yeah. So this was an okay episode. I definitely think, you know, generally speaking, I always kind of air on the side of AEW just because I like the storytelling better. But going head-to-head, uh, it was revealed today that AEW won the ratings war, and I think they should have if you were just putting these two shows up against each other. Yeah. Um, again, Keith Lee did great. The The women's main event, Io Shirai, uh, having some heel tendencies against Tegan Knox, but, oh, okay. Again, I, I don't... Io Shirai is, is plain... Uh, is plain yogurt. You know, like if I'm hungry, I'll eat plain yogurt, but it's not the first thing I'm looking for. Right. And so mm. not to be a diss, but I just yeah, don't I'll, really I'll, care about I'll it. eat the plain yogurt after I've stared in the fridge, hoping something else would materialize right. that just isn't there. Yeah, right? exactly. And so uh, the episode was what it, what it was. Um, uh, again, AEW off the charts. Good. I thought so much was awesome about it. Uh, NXT very good, but yeah, AW kicked ass this week. So let's now transition, uh, Tim, if you're ready. Uh, this weekend, we have the horror show at Extreme Rules, which if you caught Monday, each time they did this promo, they have a little like noise, which was stupid for three hours. It was so dumb. Um, but as tradition with Spanish announce table, Tim and I will give you our picks. Uh, Tim, are you ready for the uh, fight card mm-hmm. breakdown? Yes, and this is, again, it is January 16th, 2020, so if anything changes between now and then, it's not my fault. Shout out, Snitsky. Yeah. Um, uh, Kicking those babies. So this is on WWE.com right now. As it stands, we've got six matches on the card, and we'll start from the bottom. Apollo Crews versus MVP, U.S. title versus U.S. title. Um I don't know that I feel like they're going to have MVP carry around a U.S. title right now. I feel like Apollo Crews is going to win this, but I could be wrong. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because MVP is the MVP of this storyline. And honestly, he's one of the MVPs of Raw of right show. now. Yeah. yeah. And so it would make sense that if you're going to keep him relevant – he can't just lose all the time. Right. So he's got to do something. Now he's more of a manager. I still think, uh, than a in-ring competitor. Uh, so with that being said, I, I think we're going to see Lashley interject himself somehow into this match. I still think Apollo Cruz might, uh, get a roll up or, you know, Bobby Lashley or his friends help him out. Right. Uh, Richard O'Shea and, and, uh, Cedric Alexander, which right. if you've noticed though, MVP keeps on alluding to, or there's a little bit of, 
casting doubt that maybe Cedric Alexander just joins the maybe, dark side, yeah, right? Yeah, maybe he gives uh, uh, Apollo Crews the old Kansas City cunt punt. Right. And, um, and then now we've, then got, we've got MVP with two U.S. title belts. Yeah. So I don't know. I I, I think for my pick, I'm going to say Apollo Crews, and then I think this is going to lead to whatever the next pay-per-view is, maybe that's SummerSlam, Apollo Crews, Bobby Lashley. I think that's where we're going to get the story going to. Uh, but I could be wrong, uh, but I just don't have faith in WWE because they're lame. So I'm going uh, Apollo Crews on the first one. Yeah, I'm going to go Apollo Crews too. Um, yeah, just because this has been the whole storyline, and MVP is trying to build his stable. So, I mean, like, I, I could see what we're talking about, right? Cedric Alexander turns and gives MVP the title, but then he's less a manager and kind of heading the stable as, like, the top guy. But Lashley's supposed to be the top guy, and MVP is supposed to be kind of – his agent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So you're right. I think maybe we get that, right? Apollo Cruz finds a way to get this victory. And then uh, maybe even in lieu of Cedric Alexander trying to help MVP and turning, right? Right. But yet, then we go to Lashley. Lashley maybe gets a run with the U.S. title, right? The new one or something like that. Yeah. I'm going to go Apollo Cruz as well. All right. All right, we'll move up. We've got Rey Mysterio and Seth Rollins in an eye for an eye match. And they're going hard on this. They're saying out loud, to win this match, you have to pluck the eye of your opponent out. I don't know how they get out of this. Well, so I hate to admit it, but I have read uh, through Twitter uh, tweets um, across my timeline uh, that this is going to be a cinematic a cinematic match. Sure. So, I figure it has to be, right? right. So there's going to probably be some smoke and mirrors, maybe some CGI uh with that being said, if that's the storyline, right? If we're going with a, a flipping eye, I think well, Seth Rollins wins this. Well, no, I think Seth Rollins has to lose because if Rey Mysterio loses a flipping eye as a baby face, like how do you don't come back from well, that? But so maybe Rey Mysterio, you remember they're having contract issues. Has that been resolved? Well, yeah. Now that's stepping behind the curtain. Yes, possibly. Maybe this is the way that, you know, his other eyes hurt. We just fucking blind him and he'll never well, be he's back. gone. But then Seth Rollins gets that heel heat moving forward. He can forever say I blinded Mysterio or Rollins could be, you know, using the martyrdom in his in his role with an eye patch for a that's long time or something. That's what I'm thinking of, right? Yeah. Like that's the thing is then he goes into this like you said martyr and then he has if he's ever healthy again Austin Theory and Buddy uh Murphy, which I think they're just calling him Murphy again. Um they just have those guys fight on behalf of Seth Rollins as he recovers from losing an eye, you know, something like that. Uh yeah. Or, or what's his ass? Uh, Ray Mysterio's son Dominic gets involved. Maybe he loses an eye on on behalf or of Ray Mysterio. Maybe he turns and joins Rollins' group. See, that would be cool. But again, do you really trust WWE's cool? <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. What if Ray Mysterio's eye gets plucked out by his own son? I love it. That would be heel heat. You have him almost. Because what Seth Rollins is doing is running a cult, right? Like, let's just say yes. what it is. So if he, Dominic, drinks the Kool-Aid, and he could fucking really drink Kool-Aid. That, I think, would be funny. Um, right. And then, yeah, after Rey Mysterio is held down by Murphy and Seth Rollins, Dominic goes after the eye and right, takes it out. And then we never see Ray again. And then it's Dominic on TV, and that's the new Mysterio. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe. 
I doubt it. But I'm going. I'm going Ray Mysterio. Seth Rollins. Has I'm going to, Rollins. Okay, I'm going, I'm going Rollins. Wins. I'm going Ray Mysterio. Seth Rollins has to be the heel with the silly eye stuff. All right. Uh, next, we get Bailey versus Nikki Cross in a SmackDown Women's Championship match, and I, I know they're starting to crank back up the crazy Nikki, but I don't think she's coming away with a title yet. So Bailey's going to win again. Yeah, I think the interesting storyline, if they decide to pull the trigger, and we're going to get to the other match here in a little bit. Uh, but is Bailey and Sasha hold all the belts, right? That would be interesting. Bailey as your SmackDown, uh, Sasha as your Raw. They're both tag team champions. Like we got all the gold. Come take it from us. It's King of the or Queen of the Hill. Hey. We're pushing everyone down. Old friend of the show, JBL or GBL, uh, unPGBL, PGBL. You know all those iterations referred to them as the new mega powers and there you go you may be right yeah mm-hmm. so i'm I'm going bailey retains for that i think they're gonna go that way so maybe we can yeah. just get into the next match uh i agree with you bailey wins because the next match is oscar versus sasha banks raw women's championship match and yes sasha banks is gonna win so yeah i think queen of the hills uh or queens of the hill um they're just gonna play well, it keep works because they can be on either show with those women's tag team titles so that even though they're carrying a brand specific singles title they can still show up on both shows mm-hmm. it, it it works well for this whole storyline they've got and for what it's worth we've talked about them being cosplay wrestlers but right now they're doing pretty good they are annoying in the right ways like you said mm-hmm. bailey's kicked it up a notch where i'm you know what i mean mm-hmm. i'm i'm kind of liking the character aspect of this like where you want to see somebody punch these women in the face and so far they're the most reliable right so since the first ever no audience covid uh WWE show it was Sasha and I think versus Nikki Cross or excuse me uh, Alexa Bliss uh and since then it's each and every week Bailey and Sasha on either Raw or SmackDown or both so I think they're going to get rewarded for that consistency I agree all right well then we can move on WWE championship match Drew McIntyre Dolph Ziggler um, I Drew's winning this. They're not going to give Dolph the WWE title, right? No, no. Yeah. I mean, no. This is a, just another thing for a feather in the cap of the Drew McIntyre WWE title reign. Uh, and that's a good thing, right? Like, I don't think he should lose this. I don't necessarily want to see Dolph Ziggler as the champ, but you can't just have Drew walking around backstage. So uh, kind of like what Max Holloway says a lot, it is what it is. And, um... I think, yeah, Drew McIntyre uh, probably comes from underneath and gets a victory with a Claymore kick out of nowhere, and there you go. Yeah, Heath Slater runs in and helps him win or something. I don't know, who knows? Um, yeah, Drew's winning this. All right, so the final one we got is the Wyatt Swamp Fight, Braun Strowman, Bray Wyatt. I'm a little torn on this. I would give it back to Bray Wyatt because we need more – backstage and cinematic things for a while as it appears especially in florida they really should be shutting shit down but hey whatever um Mm -hmm. but i don't think they're gonna go that route i mean we're talking the machine here wwe so i kind of think stroman's gonna win i'm gonna pick stroman this is hard because if wyatt loses right bray wyatt loses that's two in a row at paper and they've done to him again what they did before right so then where does he go like, what would he do next? Yeah, I don't know. Nothing. I mean, he could always be weird and creepy and pick a fight with somebody, but it's going to be less impactful then. Yeah, then it becomes, yeah, like you said, same song and dance with the old Bray Wyatt, and it's not special anymore. 
Uh, but see, they don't care about that. It's not about the st- storyline programming they're putting on. It's can they sell merch? Yeah, I agree. And they can with him, right? His like, let's be honest, right. his shit's still cool on shop or WWE shop, and he's still right. a cool character. Um, so yeah, I think Braun. Yeah. Now again, we we talked about this off air. Remember, Otis is still the Money in the Bank winner, right? Uh, any any chance that even though this is a, a cinematic oh, match, Otis okay, comes so, out the champ? No, Wyatt wins. He's creepy. He's doing his whole thing, but he's you know I mean Braun Strowman damn near kicked his fucking throat out of his you know what I mean off his head, but. But he finds a way, you know, one of the bucking puppets, you know, does something. Mm-hmm. And Wyatt wins, and then the cash-in. And then we move into Wyatt trying to get his revenge on Otis. Albeit that's a rough one to start right off of somebody who won the Money in the Bank. But uh, I don't know. Maybe you could get that. I think there's money in a Tasmanian devil-like Otis being, you know, head-fucked with by Bray Wyatt, the the master of mind games, right? right. Like that yeah. is that is relatable because you know Otis is the everyman, um, so you can kind of understand where he's coming from, and then Bray Wyatt can just you know dig in on him and Tucker and him and Mandy Rose, and then his own securities of being a fat guy and short and all of this stuff. So there's money there, right? But then what would you do with Braun, right? Because then Braun's just hanging out in you know purgatory not really doing anything uh so i don't know i i again wwe's lame so i'm gonna go yeah. braun Strowman because of familiarity right each and every week we can have our champ on television not to say that bray white couldn't be on each and every week but it's a different presentation and it just seems like each week both raw and smackdown has to have their champ walk out and talk and you don't really do that with Bray Wyatt. So for that reason, Braun Strowman. Yeah. Well, to wrap it up, let's let's hit some final low-hanging fruit here. The things that kind of we didn't touch on with Extreme Rules. Uh, Raw, you know, to set up their match, I didn't. I thought uh, Drew McIntyre's promo in the VIP lounge to kind of set up this match was actually pretty decent with mm-hmm. Dolph, where he was mm-hmm. like, oh, yo, we weren't friends. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so you're hired muscle. That was one of the better ones I've seen from McIntyre. I like that. Yeah, I th- um, I thought yeah. the the promo of the week uh, for both Raw, AW, and NXT actually came from Randy Orton. I thought, oh my god, his promo where he's like, Edge was a friend, but you know I had to take care of him. Christian yeah. was a friend, I had to take care of him. Big Show's a friend, I have to take care of him. Uh, you know, like the, I have to be our true thing, dude. He's money right now. Randy Orton is doing yeah. great. He's the shining beacon of the of the WWE Hill right now. Uh, well, it, this is the best Randy Orton I've seen. Yeah, and he even alluded to in that promo, "Hey, Ric Flair, I saw him talking to Big Show. I don't trust him either." You know, I'm paraphrasing mm-hmm. again, but that's awesome, right? Well, that's coming eventually, right? I mean, and that's where it, it's all. I like where this is going. I, I don't know that there's. The problem is, I like where it's going, but where could it go? Because it's like you said, WWE, and there's not a whole lot of places to go. Yeah. Um. But uh, you know, yeah, Randy Orton is is amazing right now, and well, it's the the, it, the extra time he's getting is great. Yeah, it's the best of the two best characters he's ever done. Right? It's the Legend Killer, 
And then it's also the voices in his head. So if you were just to write down all the people he takes out, Edge. Well, and it's legacy. Right. Like he was, he's hinting it with Garza and, and um, you know, uh, Andrade, because they're both third generation. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't know if they'll do stable because, again, he does the like voices in his head and then you got Zelina. But if you were to write down all the, the, the people he's taking out right now, so you write Edge, Christian, Big Show, and then let's just keep going. Ric Flair. Well, that's the legend killer. But then, again, these layers that I I really enjoy in storytelling. Well, Ric Flair was taken out because he's a psychotic, not Ric Flair, but Randy Orton is a psychotic, you know, psychopath. And so he has voices in his head. So now it like there's two there's two characters in one storyline. And I I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, SmackDown had a karaoke Get the fuck out of here. What was that stupid ass bullshit? Gas. What did you say uh you, you likened uh before we were start before we hit record? Uh you said SmackDown is like the WCW 2000 of the current. Time. It is. It's like, "Oh, okay, I might hang around for 3 or 4 minutes because it's Sting versus Goldberg, right? Like that's happened in WCW 2000." Mm-hmm. But then Oh, well, now it's getting hokey because we have DDP, who I'm not sure is babyface or heel, beating both guys up, and now all of a sudden Judy Bagwell's walking out like "fuck this, I'm off," and that's Who's what GI Bro. Yeah, and GI Bro is all of a sudden, <laughs> and where the what the fuck happened to Eric Bischoff's hair? It's all gray all of a sudden. Like "fuck this," and so I'm just turning the channel, uh, and that's what SmackDown feels like. It just feels irrelevant. It just pfft, it's the worst. And that so bad. And, well, and I was pissed. I was like, "Was this all a setup just to just to take a pot shot at Cody Rhodes and play his dad's theme music? Was that all this was?" I sure hope not. I really think it was again two guys over the age of sixty. I, I assume- but that wasn't a mistake that they picked that theme, right? Now that wasn't a coincidence, right? No, it wasn't a coincidence. Now I think. I don't think they're that smart. Let's be that's what I'm going to be honest about is I don't think they're that smart to say, let's do a segment where we can say, fuck you to Cody. Right. I think it was, yeah, it just came up when they were picking songs. Right. Like, oh, it was this one. Fuck him. It, yeah. yeah. It was, well, you know what worked in the late nineties? Uh, divas singing next. We'll have them bikinis. So this week we'll have them singing. And then it turned into, well, you know what they could sing? Oh, they could sing dusty song ho 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 that pissed them off over in AEW. remember when they said we have a sloppy shop oh wait till they see this and just everyone looked at it and was like this is the worst part of the attitude era this is so stupid yeah naomi even got in a little bit of heat because she fucking said publicly that this was shit it is shit <laughs> yeah. ah, again free naomi get her to AEW or impact somewhere else like fuck that bullshit yeah and, and why was jay uso just hosting it just because he has nothing else to do? Yeah. <laughs> like, why? Why the fuck was he the host? Has he ever hosted why? anything? Yeah. We, so, again, I'm supposed to believe we have a... I'm seeing a real professional fighting league going on. And we suddenly have a karaoke competition between a bunch of random women who we hadn't seen in weeks. And... Yeah. Her brother-in-law is hosting it, right? It was right. That's not her husband, right? That was her. Yeah, that was her brother-in-law. Yeah. Well, and then like, what? Yeah, and then on top of that, they all sucked at singing. Like, if you're gonna, yeah, they get all sucked at singing really bad. Yeah. You can't tell me none of the girls you got back there can sing a tune, right? If you were, if the goal was, hey, 
one of our girls backstage can really fucking sing. How do we get that over? Karaoke. And again, yeah, did we, you know Naomi can fucking sing? Yeah. Right. <laughs> like she can dance, but she can't sing. Fucking didn't prove it that night at least. And so it was just fucking well, garbage. And she yeah, no, she can't sing because she couldn't even sing the American Dream thing song, which is not a like this is not a Christina Aguilera song right. here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, they are all Jesus. garbage. And then on top of that, Lacey Evans, which three weeks ago was saluting the flag and saying how great it is to be a mom and former military, yeah, then just she's flips yeah. heel because, I don't know, it's women and Vince and Bruce probably think it was her time of the month. Like, the fuck is going on with those idiots? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know what, what yeah, that was about it, though, man. I think, you know, Fight for the Fallen or Fighter Fest 2, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> um, st- stuck out as kind of the best. And then, you know, I'd say Randy Orton really stuck out. And, you know, everything else was, you know. Are you excited? <laughs> Are you excited for the horror show at Extreme Rules? Nope. Well, and here's the I'm other thing. Really, what, yeah. The horror show. Okay, let's just run with that idea. Do it in fucking October. Well, yeah. Well, and only one match has any kind of horror like yeah. implications. Yeah, it's just why are you doing the scary stuff in fucking July? The f- yeah, are we going to a swamp somewhere? And well, I mean, they're gonna have a swamp fight, but you know what I mean. Like what? Like let's let's make all of these freaky, creepy. Yeah, I I don't get it. It was weird, uh, but I mean, it's wrestling, so I- well. Since when does Extreme Rules need a secondary name? <sighs> yeah, yeah. I, like why when did that start happening i don't know tim <laughs> why are you asking questions that make sense uh, yeah i don't know um but hey aw right we got all the fun stuff over there we've got john moxley as your champion cody as your tnt champion uh hikuro shida did i say that right yeah yeah so. as your women's champion you got Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page as your tag team champions. You still got the Demo God, La Sex God, Chris Jericho, uh, Lucha Bros, those dorks, the Young Bucks. You know that jacket cost him seven thousand dollars, and it's drenched. I smell like oranges. You stink. <laughs> he said, "Yeah, he said you sound you smell tropical." Is what he told him one time. <laughs> yeah, that was great. God, that was so good. That was so good. Hey, and if you if you uh, have a song stuck in your head and you need a new song stuck in your head, just remember that Garth Brooks tune of slow counting ball of looking dummy. <laughs> Which Jim Ross probably knows Garth Brooks. They probably like they live close oh, enough to each other. Oh, God, that's so great. Slow counting ball of looking dummy. <laughs> so good all right well yeah then i think that's all we got for this week huh this was fun yeah be on the lookout for um my top five let me know who should be in there next week our uh, anniversary show or seven year anniversary yes. show next week what should we do hashtag tweet the table at table show gmail.com you know the facebook spanish Downs table podcast let us know right what should we do if you got any crazy zany ideas there you go yeah covid uh, covid keep that in mind yeah safely what can we do safely uh talk about uh give you our feedback answer any questions um yeah let us know let us know and then um until next week i guess right indeed the spanish announce table